for IC Church's Favour Women. I'm Marion Wright and this is Favourite Friends, the podcast that aims to build community by sharing the real-life stories of Christian women. In our last episode, I introduced you to Melissa Moore. We talked about marriage and relationships and if you miss listening to it, you can go back through our feed and you can find it. It was such a great episode, and I heard that some women had even sent it to their husbands. So that's on the table as well, if you want to do that. In this episode, I finished my conversation with Melissa. Her life so far has really been quite incredible. You're going to hear her talk about her career choices, what it means for her to still be serving in church, She was diagnosed with thyroid cancer and she recently walked through a season of grief. She is going to absolutely bless you with her stories. And so here is part two of my conversation with Melissa Moore. Do you have a favourite book at the moment? Have you read anything? Well, because I work so closely to the library I read a lot of books so I read for the library so I absolutely love reading but there is one book that caught my eye recently that I want to read and it's called In the Middle of the Mess and it's by Sheila Walsh Mm -hmm. and it just talks about what you do when you're in the middle of a mess how you get into God and turn it around and get out of your mess so that's what I want to read okay yeah do you have a favorite family activity I love watching the boys play soccer. I actually really love watching their sport. So it's you exciting. Love being a soccer mum. Yes, I actually. I can't believe that I'm admitting that. No, but I think that's awesome. Yeah, and yeah. I and I love going out for dinner with the boys, or you know, taking to the movies, stuff like that. Just doing stuff together. Yeah. What's your favorite thing to do with your husband? Um, holidays. Yes. <laughs> Probably, I love going out to dinner or a movie with him. But you know, really, I just like to be able to hang out when we have time to do that like if he comes to the shops with me it's really exciting oh, <laughs> we never get to do that I hate grocery shopping yeah so I I still haven't gotten organized enough to do it online consistently but I always take Josh with me and he just makes it so fun and yes. that's how I know he's supposed to be with me because he makes <laughs> grocery shopping so fun yes. and I walk out and I'm like how do I have a good time doing that with you well, that was let's great face it, it's so boring by yourself I, know. I always look at I always look at women and it's not doesn't always happen but I used to remember going on a Friday night because I worked full time you know and I'd go on a Friday night grocery shopping and I'd see all these people going off to the movies and having a really great time and here I am with my trolley but I'd see two girls together shopping and I was like I always wanted a friend like that that we would take our trolleys together and go shopping and it's probably totally unrealistic but I was like I I really want a shopping friend oh I don't think I could be a shopping friend there is an ugly side of me that comes out when I'm grocery shopping it is not peak Marion at all like I well, try and avoid it when I It's good I can. that Josh is there to keep it light. Yeah, he's, yeah. he's great. One of the things I love about you is that anytime someone asks you how long you've been around IC Church, you always <laughs> say, excuse me, I was in the lounge room. And then you say, I wish I had a T-shirt that said I was in the lounge room. That's how long I've been around. You guys have been a part of IC Church, formerly Metro Church, from the beginning. Yeah. Can yeah. you? Do you remember the lounge room? Can you take us back to the lounge room? I totally remember the lounge room. I actually remember the moment that I – see, 
Pastor Paul and Joe were our youth pastors at Garden City Church and I was so excited and I, I may have been like a little schoolgirl. It's kind of embarrassing, but I probably had a big crush on, crush on Pastor Joe. <laughs> I was so excited. I can totally relate to that. Pastor yeah. Joe, if you're listening, it's not weird. We just love you. <laughs> I was so excited that a husband and wife team had come in. Pastor Joe was yeah. strong yeah. and they worked together as a team. And so for me, who, you know, I hadn't been married all that long, to, to see that and to have that as an example was amazing. And I remember being on a youth camp and I said to Pastor Joe, something's up what's you know what's and she shared with me that they were going to start a church and I just said yeah we're there (laughs) we're coming with you I later on went and spoke to Simon and said oh Pastor Paul and Joe are starting a church and he goes yeah we'll just pray about it I went yeah yeah thinking yeah I've already told them we're there we're there there's no yeah sure Simon and he prayed about it and here we are um but um I think I just I read something this morning and I'll just read it quickly. Um, and it was Joyce Meyer actually said it and she said, enthusiasm is infectious. If you associate with a person who is a visionary, you will soon get a vision. But if you stay around lifeless people who want to do nothing but complain, sit on the couch, eat donuts and watch soap operas, then soon you will be doing the same things. Um, in Pastor Paul and Joe, we saw visionaries And we just knew that we wanted to be a part of what was happening. We were excited. We didn't know what capacity we would be involved. We just knew that we loved their heart. They were very real. Pastor Paul would be speaking and then the next minute he'd, you know, he'd go and sweep the church. His heart is just, you know, we just loved what they stood for, the fact that they were who they were what you see is what you get and um, and we wanted to be a part of it. We, there was no way we wanted to miss out, me more, more so than Simon at the start, but, yeah. You've been – so how long has it been now? Since I don't even been, know because yeah. I'm not good with numbers. I but don't know either. Years. Yeah. Yeah. Um, actually, Sam and Elijah were dedicated at oh. Garden City Church yeah. the last Sunday we were in church. So oh, they were wow. born. So they're like – um, 15 this year so yeah it'd be around that I think we forget sometimes that we're we're also playing the long game with church mm. you know it's not um yeah it's not a short-term thing how how do you stay planted you've seen seasons of this church from the beginning mm. so you've seen it grow you've seen it change how yeah how do you stay planted you know, for me, it's simple because I also I grew up with my dad being a pastor and I saw people coming and going through churches like, you know, they'd sort of change church like they changed their underwear. And I understand sometimes people change churches for a reason. I'm not speaking that way about everybody. But for me, it's keeping my eyes on God because Pastor Paul and Joe are human the people in the church are human. You're going to get hurt. People are going to say things that you don't like. Things are going to happen. But we're there for God. Like I, I love our church and I, I love what we represent. But for me, 
If I keep my eyes on God, I'm not going to get involved in those things and so therefore I'm not going to allow those things to touch me and I'm able to separate myself and say, well, you know, God is good and I'm, and I'm here for that reason. And do you think vision is important to yeah. you? Yeah. yeah, definitely. And, you know, and, and like I said, from day one, I, I know that Pastor Paul and Joe hear from God. I know they spend time with God. I know when Pastor Dave and Nikki were um, pastoring because we were at obviously at South for a little while as well, I knew that they, you know, sometimes people say they pray for you and, and it's terrible. Sometimes I have a little bit of doubt come in. Not doubt, but... Uh, Dave and Nikki were so genuine. I, I knew that they had prayed for us by name. Um, and I think when you know your leaders are hearing from God and that they are, are living a very real life, um, it's easy to to want to be there and to support them, you know, because obviously as well we love, honour and respect our leaders and respect that they hear from God. And so that's where, you know, and, and there's been... There have been seasons, I think we were talking before about when um, we went from South to City, you know, that you actually have to step up in your maturity and realise that you're not just there for yourself and what you can get out of church. And you would think that after however many years I've been a Christian and been in church that I would know that. But sometimes too, you're like, okay, you show up and you're like, what do you got What do you got for me today, God? I'm ready to consume. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and there is so much more than that, you yeah. know, going and, and realising that you're being a part of something that is so wonderful and that you can share with other people and, um, and, and having that maturity to go, hey, I've been a Christian for many years and, you know, maybe I can get what I need at home with God personally, you know, during the week and maybe I can come and give to others today, you know. It's wow. a big was a big revelation that's a very that I really needed to way. have. Yeah, that's a very <laughs> different way of looking at church. Mm. Mm. Um, how do you come back from hurt and offence? You said it was inevitable mm. in church life. People are flawed. But how do you move past it? I think that comes down to maturity again and being able to say, you know what, I just let that go. You can either choose to hold it and embrace it and allow those awful feelings, because let's face it, no one likes to feel like that. You can choose to hold on to them and let them grow and take root in your life, or you can choose to go, God, I just give this to you because it, I don't want it to have a place in my life. I do not want these feelings. And whilst I feel justified because I've been hurt, what, what, what are you going to do with that if the other person's not having any part of it or don't even realise that they've hurt you? I mean, you could go and speak to the person as well and have a mature conversation without judgment again and say, hey, I don't know if you know, but, you know, this has really hurt me. And then, you know, even if, if that's not resolved then, then you, you have to let it go at some point. Do you remember the first place that you served in? In yeah. our church yeah. or in... No, in our church. In our church, Yeah. I was working in childcare and I vowed that I would never work uh, in kids' church. <laughs> and I, I think that Great. I worked in, I think that I was in kids' church for about 10 years. Mm. <laughs> um, and in the early days, I mean, we had so many kids in the church. So I think even Pastor Joe was doing kids' church at that time. And so I would do the younger kids and Pastor Joe would do the older kids. Um, and I just ended up there and I think it comes down to saying again I don't know what you want me to do God but just being a willing 
participant and saying, okay, this is where something's needed. I can, I can do that and, and stepping up and doing it. And, I, you know, even throughout that 10 years, there were times that it was a really hard slog because you're out of church a lot you know, ministering to the kids. And so, you know, you really had to sort of say to God, okay, God, I'm doing this for you and, and continually sort of going, well, okay, I, I, I put myself and my own feelings aside because I want to see these kids, you know, I want them to get to know you. I want to teach them about you. I want them to love coming here every Sunday. Um, yeah. But sometimes it's hard to serve joyfully Mm. when you really feel like something's been taken from you Mm. like being in a Sunday service or Mm. time really it's time how do we get past that well I think you have to examine your motives and really see why you're there doing it are you doing it so that people notice you so that you can get a pat on the back every Sunday saying hey you're doing a great job or are you doing it because you, you're just saying, God, whatever my hands find to do, I'll do it to build your kingdom. And even, you know, we're talking generationally at the moment. We're, we're speaking about people who have gone before us to give us the buildings that, that, that have, they've given us. You know, my grandparents who have gone before me praying for my life um, to be, you know, what it is now. And I think you have to think generationally. You know, for me, for kids' church, it was building into these kids' lives so that, you know, things that they may not have known, I've been able to impart to them. So one day they can go back and go, hey, I learnt this. This is going to give me the tools for, you know. Um, so, yeah, definitely examining your motives. And um, and if, serving changes. Like you no longer volunteer yeah. in kids' church. Yeah. You've served in events. You've yeah. served in like a welcome to IC. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I guess it changes over time. How do you talk to your kids about serving? How do you, yeah, how do you talk to your kids about serving? Well, I think like we've always said to the church, the kids, we're in church on a Sunday. This is what we do. And I, I remember when Toby left youth and um, a bunch of the other boys like Josh Geeling and Ben Walker and Liam, they all became youth leaders. And I was like, I've grown up in the church. I've been a youth leader of, you know, my my heart's expectation, I think, for Toby was to be a youth leader and he served on the service team. And, I, you know, he'd learnt the bass and I'm like, well, why don't you go and, you know, do music? His heart was to serve on, on the, you know, on the team. And I love that they want to be in church. And, and I think that we've always said that, but we've always led by example. You know, we go to church and we're involved. And so that's what they've seen. That's what they've learnt. We've never forced them to be involved. It is their own decision. But they want to be there and they want to be a part of something. Do you think it comes at a cost to your family sometimes? I imagine, I can only imagine how busy your life is. I mean, I say my life is busy, but it's not. I don't I don't have children. I'm not managing the lives of, you know, three, four other people. Does it have a cost? Does no. serving have a cost? And if so, you know, I could just yeah. imagine people say, well, I don't have time. You know, I'm a mum, I, I work, you work as well. And you sometimes even just getting to church on a Sunday is enough. Yeah, yeah, look, I'm, I'm sure there are times, you know, that we all get in the car to go to church and we all, everyone's tired and grumpy and then we're fighting and then we get to church, hey, we're here to serve. Yeah. We're a very real family. Yeah. Um, and I think, no, because that's how we live our life. It, it, it just 
is how it is. We go to church on a Sunday and we say there's just no, I don't know, no question about it. No, um, it doesn't even come up with the children because it, it's, we've positioned ourselves. We love God. We have a real relationship with him and that's where we want to be. I remember serving with you once at a conference and I was really tired and grumpy. Like I know this, this definitely, this story is going to make me look like I'm in a worse light than you. Don't, don't get worried. But I remember I was, I was just really angry that I was serving and Mm. I wasn't going to get time in a service being very real. Mm. I had come into it very tired and Mm. I was, you know, I'd made the commitment. I was happy to make the commitment, but I was being very human. And I said, Oh, you know, it's just so annoying that I have to do this. And you just, you put your hand on my shoulder and you said, no, we're just next level. We're just next level. (laughs) And I, I think I've always, I've always now just seen it that way. And I, I think you do get to a point where you stop seeing church as what you can get out of it, but now into how you can build it. And I don't, you know, I'm not serving in the same place as I used to. This is how I serve now, which is amazing. But yeah, how can I build and how can I do more um, to grow the kingdom rather than to see my own place in it, you know? Yeah, and, and again, that's really hard because I actually remember that conference very well because I had just sort of come on to the team, the experience team, and it was favour and I was, I'd always sort of tried to make that my own conference and, you know, there again, using those words, my own, you know. Yes, and, this is my time. Yeah, and I I was in, I was in the, I suppose, what you would call the VIP room, which I, I struggled with. And so I remember that conference being an amazing time for me because I got so much out of serving that I never, ever thought that I would. And I think it comes down to when you actually take that step and do it, you can be amazed at how blessed you can be by imparting to somebody else. And often in those times, I will actually find a real breakthrough in my own life. And even if I get to part of a message, it'll be as if God is just beaming down on me and going, hey, this is exactly for you, you know. And I I, I think you, you have to be, if you can't get past that place, then you do need to take time away and examine yourself and spend that time with God and say, well, God, what what do you actually want me to do? Am I in the right place? Um, Because there has to be joy in serving. And I think, you know, constant resentment, you might be in the wrong place or just need a little bit of time to re-examine and say, God, where do you want me, you know? So tell me, you what you worked in childcare? I did. So I got into uni when I left school. I actually yeah. didn't know what I wanted to do, so I copied down my friends' choices, and um, yeah, <laughs> we both got into uni at Deakin to do teaching. Right. So, uh, and then I actually got an offer at the Gordon Technical College in Geelong. Okay. To be a childcare worker. Okay. It was actually quite difficult to get into at that time, and I saw it as a sign that that was the direction I was supposed to go in. So. Very interestingly, my parents um, 
sort of left Geelong two years later and my course was two years in length. So if I had have been studying at uni, I probably would have stayed there, never come to Brisbane, never met Simon, uh, never be here where I am now. So I, I believe it was all in God's plan. Uh, and so I finished my childcare. I worked in a childcare centre and I saw a, a childcare centre called Peppercorn and it was near where Simon lived. We were engaged. And I said, oh, I think I want to work there. And when I rang up, I went for the interview. It turns out the lady was a Christian. I got the job. It was a brand new centre. And uh, I worked my way up and became um, director at the centre. Now, I didn't have a degree at that time. You needed a degree. So I was about to have Toby. So I was going on maternity leave and didn't do any further study. Uh, while I was on maternity leave, Simon and I realised that we didn't have as much money as we thought. And I got a job offer to go back and manage, uh, sorry, direct childcare centres that were in trouble. So I sort of became their fixer. I would go around to the childcare centres that had low occupancy and really work on building the occupancy up, um, forming relationships with families and and, um, really, really loved it. I then um, became a field consultant. And I just really felt in this job I had God's favour because I didn't have a degree. I never envisaged myself, you know, I never saw the day where I would be managing eight childcare centres. I had a company car. I had, you know, the mobile phone, the laptop. Nice, um, nice. Yeah, it was just, it was, it was, I'd never saw myself there, but I really believe back at that time when I got accepted into the childcare that God had a plan. And when I came into this place, I really had the favour of my employers over my life and it was a real, um, yeah, great time. I loved it. You're not in that position anymore. (laughs) No. What happened? (laughs) So it was a very all-consuming job. Um, And, you know, when we didn't have children, it was... I'm an all-in kind of person, so Simon would call me at five o'clock and say, oh, when are you coming home? And I think, you know, seventh, I'll be I'll be half an hour and then I'd get very invested in what I was doing and be home at, you know, 7.30, 8 o'clock at night and then there'd be lots of paperwork. And I just think when the children came along and Simon was really just starting, because I'm older than Simon too, so he was really starting to build his career and it just came to a point where... Um, after having Lucas, I just chose not to go back into that into that job. And when Lucas was fifteen months old, I was um, I heard about a position coming up at the school that we had Toby in, and it was to be a textbook lady. So it was a part time job where I started two days a week, and um, I took the job. And I've now been there for I think this year will be eleven years. Mm. So it's it's allowed flexibility to be with the kids in the holidays and after school. Um, so it it is I work with wonderful people um, that have been a real blessing in my life, and I think for I can the, vouch for that they're good ladies. <laughs> and I think for the seasons that I've had in my life, I've been planted in the right place, but that hasn't meant that I haven't struggled in myself um, to do something different. Um, did you struggle with giving up that position and then yeah. finding some, something mm. else? Mm. And I think too when I started as, you know, I call it the textbook lady, I almost felt like I wanted to justify to everybody and say, hey, the job I used to have, you know. Um, I used to have a company car. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you <laughs> and know. And food. <laughs> and, and now I, you know, cover books. and But again, it's finding... Um, 
I get to speak to, you know, I'll hand out textbooks, but I get to encourage students who might be feeling down or, you know, uh, face-to-face at the window. I'm at the, the school where my kids are at. I'm, I'm surrounded by people who love Jesus and who constantly pour into my life. So whilst I might say, oh, hey, I'd really like, you know, I've been doing this for a long time and I, I really feel like there's more in me, you know, I, I need a change. I'd love to go back and do something, you know, it's that that's myself. But I, I have to question and say, OK, is that what God wants? Does that fit with my life where I'm at now? Um, and I don't believe I'm squashing down who I am uh, or smothering my dreams and I believe there's a time for everything and I don't I don't know that I'm fully ready. I like to think in my mind, yeah, I can go out and do, you know, what I used to do, but I remember those hours and I think, well, that would stop me from doing this, this and this, you know. Am I prepared to sacrifice that at this stage? So it, it, it's something that goes on in my mind a lot to and fro. Look, we're so excited that you listen to Favourite Friends, but you know what? We have many more exciting things attached to our favourite brand. And one of them is you can actually head to our store, uh, which is a place you can find all our gorgeous favourite things. And if you head to icchurch.com, you'll find our store right there. We have candles, we have t-shirts, we have a tote bag, but we also have our favourite magazine, new editions coming out every March and October. So make sure you head to the store and see what we've got available. You you had thyroid cancer. Yeah, How yeah. long ago now? So this is I think six years. Wow. Yeah, so just before I turned 40. Yeah. I found out, yeah. What can you take me back to a point of diagnosis? What was that yeah. like for you? Well my dad had thyroid cancer and I remember um, his was quite large and I remember going to the hospital to visit him after he'd had his thyroid out and as we were leaving I just felt my neck I don't know as you do I suppose and I said to Simon I think I've got a lump and um, and I went oh, it's probably nothing as if you know my dad's just had this as if and my sister-in-law had actually had it as well uh, quite a few years earlier and I just thought oh, as if you know that wouldn't be real anyway I started the process and I went to the doctor by myself. I didn't really, um, I don't know, I went for the results myself, not expecting, I suppose, for it to be there. And I remember the doctor said to me, oh, she's um, an Asian lady. You have, uh, well, she didn't say it. They never actually said to me, you have cancer. But she said there's definitely cause for concern and uh, I would need to go to the hospital. And when I got to the hospital, (coughs) excuse me, straight away, they said that I needed to have it out and uh, we started the process. I remember I'd listened to Israel Horton and I I can't remember the song right now, but I would just play it in the car and cry every day. (laughs) Um, But I, God gives you this supernatural grace to go through a period like that. As soon as I knew it settled on me and I knew it was, I knew it was there because I, I, I felt like God had ordered the process, that he was in control because I'm a, I like to be in control. Uh, and for me, I was like, I, I can't control this because I also found out I had diabetes at the same time. 
And I was wow. just like, what? These were all my d- things that my dad had as well. So I was like, oh, you know, what else is going to happen? But God, I, I had to just go, God, I actually can't do anything. <laughs> this is not something that I can control. It's not something that I can sit and plan away. I just give it to you. And I just have to rest in the fact that you are God and that whatever happens, you're in control of it, not me. And I I believe there, that there are different people who take different, you know, ways of dealing things. Some people take a stronghold in prayer and say, I will not accept this, be gone from my body. And, you know, I was praying that as well. But I felt, and both Simon and I felt that we were to just follow the plan that the doctors had made, that go to hospital, get it out, find out if it is cancer, how bad it is, and go and have uh, the next step in the treatment was radioactive iodine where you swallow a pill and it kills everything, essentially. So, you know, I went to hospital. I had my thyroid removed. They found, um, I can't remember the size, but there was cancer in there that I thought was small. And they said, oh, no, that's because my dad's was nine centimetres. So I thought, oh, four or five, that's not too bad. And uh, they removed quite a few lymph nodes and it was in one lymph node. So I was quite concerned at that time that it had metastasized outside of the thyroid. But again, I was just like, well, okay, well, these are the steps I have to follow. I went and had the next treatment and they gave me the all clear. Um, and six years later, I just went a couple of weeks ago mm. uh, and still, you know, doesn't, don't get me wrong, I had my moments of fear. But I had to bring those to God and say, you know, and even still I do. And because we'll talk about soon after what happened to my dad, I still have these moments where I will wake in the night and I'll be like, what if it, what if, what if, you know? And I, it's those times that I have to be very strong and bring it back in and say, God, you are in control of my life. I will not let this disease take hold and determine my future, you determine my future, and I place it in your hands. And it's only then that the peace comes. Mm. So you lost your dad recently. Um, How long ago was it now? Three years. Yeah, three years. And have obviously walked through, it was quite a tough season when he Mm. was unwell, Mm. and then obviously you've walked through a season of grief. Tell me about this journey and what you learned about yourself and God and faith in the process? What I learned was that I'd much rather go through it myself than have somebody I love go through it because Mm. that supernatural grace comes over you, but I don't necessarily know that it does as well when you're walking beside someone. So I really went through a period where I was angry at God. Mm. I was like... Was that before or after? During. Right. Mm, mm. Like, God, my right. my dad has been a... He just retired. Yeah. He's been a pastor his whole life. He's used his voice. Why am I praying for healing and, and, it, and it's not happening? Am mm. I not enough? What? I don't understand. Why did you do this to dad? Wow. You know, and so it was a real journey coming to the point that I went, why are you thinking that way? God did not do this. God is a good God who loves us. I don't have the answers. I still don't. I don't know why my dad was not healed. I don't know why he had to walk what he had to walk. 
But I know God is a good, loving God and I, I don't want to be God. Could you imagine that job? So I go, okay, God, I don't want your job. I'm not going to try and, and figure this out. What I know now is that my dad knew he was going to meet his maker. He knew, you know, he shared with us, I know where I'm going. And someone um, posted on Facebook just after he passed away um, that he had been, you know, promoted to heaven and that I forget exactly what it was, but we put it everywhere because for us, we were able to hold on to the fact that he was whole, he was well about the person he had preached about, you know, for his entire mm-hmm. adult life, he was with him. So that gave us great comfort. And it made me realise as a Christian the peace and the rest that we can have in God. And I could not imagine continuing down the path of anger that I was on and saying, why did you do this, God, and blaming God and allowing bitterness as well as the grief to sit in my life because I just think without my faith in God and knowing that God, that dad is there, what would I have? There would be such a sense of hopelessness and just, you know, being able to hold on to God and, and have that comfort that only he can bring was, you know, unbelievable. And I, I couldn't imagine it doing it the other way. Mm. When did you stop being angry? I think I stopped being angry when I realised that it wasn't God's fault when I had a conversation with someone <laughs> who was much wiser than, than I was, you know, going, well, you know, God doesn't bring these things on people. And, you know, and I think deep down I knew that. It was just my, my dad had had the thyroid cancer and then while he was in hospital had developed septicemia. No, sorry, he had, he'd had... The cancer hadn't gone, so he'd had to have a beam, a radiation beam. That had then caused scarring in his throat where he had to go to the hospital and have an emergency trachea. When he got the trachea and he couldn't speak, while he was in the hospital with the trachea, he developed septicemia. He then developed a problem where he had to have a, um, what are they called, the bags? A colostomy yeah, bag. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he was in hospital for eight months. Um, wow. With us, you know, ICU for a period and then... He was home for a year before he then uh, the cancer had the cancer had moved to his lungs, but that it it had moved to his brain. And so that's what in the end, you know, it was a really long process. Mm. So I think, you know, because so many things happened, I was like, why the suffering? Mm. Just, you know, but I know that during that that time we had him with him in hospital, my children got close to dad. They knew a papa that they would never have known had we have not had that time. So, you know, it's it, it's hard. We don't we don't have to we don't have the answers, and being able to let go of that anger made it an easier process to me. Feel not easy in any way, but manageable. And God can handle our anger sometimes. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and I think it's when someone also very wise said to me, "It's when you stop talking to God that we have a problem." So, you know, God. God's not afraid of our conversation, of our, you know. Yeah. How long ago was it now that Simon changed jobs? 
So we bought a new house. Yes. Which was massive for Simon. Yes. Uh, we moved in and that was, we've been in the house four years now. So yeah. probably three years ago he lost his job. Yeah. Mm. I want you to tell me about this journey that you went on with your faith. Mm. Um, because I think even the house, the bigger house, is yes. a bit representative of mm. the fact that the faith got a bit bigger. And I'd also, yeah, I'd love for you to talk me through how you get to a place of greater faith mm. in your marriage. Yeah. I think, you know, faith faith is a hard thing. And I, I was actually reading the Bible this morning and um, this is when Jesus had already performed the miracle of the loaves and the fish with the young boy and then here they are in the in the boat and Jesus says to his disciples uh, are your hearts too hard to take it in you have eyes can't you see you have ears can't you hear don't you remember anything at all when I fed the 5,000 with five loaves of bread how many baskets of leftovers did you pick up afterwards 12 they said and when I fed the 4,000 with seven loaves how many large baskets of leftovers did you have you know and he goes on to speak that way to them and I think your faith can be like that sometimes God throughout your life does so many things for you that you just start to take it for granted and you go God where are you where are you and he says uh hello remember when I did this for you you know so I'm trying to remember to live gratefully and go, God, you have done so much for me. Why would you all of a sudden go away and leave me? Why would you all of a sudden not continue to perform these miracles that you have in my life? And it's it's also about stepping out. You know, with the house, I know Simon was so, so worried. We went through a real time where... I actually think fear gripped him and he could share more to this himself. But I remember him waking up and saying, I just need you to pray with me, you know, and me going, oh, my gosh, is this too much? You know, should we do it? If we had not have stepped out, we would not be walking in what we're walking in today. This house for us has not just been a blessing for us. We said, God, we want to use this house for you. We have connected our house. You know, we we try and let our house be a blessing to others as it is to us and we would never have been able to do that in our old house and it's just about saying okay god i trust you and we know trust is difficult but get out of the boat take that step and say okay god i've seen you do it and i believe you can do it again how do you trust when you buy the house Mm. and then simon lost his job Mm. I think, well, I think that was the year of, I, I feel like, you know, the year before was the year of increase, you know, reach, stretch out, you yeah. in, enlarge, yeah. you yeah. know, so I was like, okay, well, we enlarged our, yeah, you have got a house, house, you know, yes. then I think it was the year, was it faith and favour? Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, okay, God, well, we just seem to be going along with what the church's vision is. So faith and favour. Okay. Simon came home and said, I believe we will have um, unbroken provision. So that basically whatever happened that God would provide. And I thought, well, he's had a word. It. I feel a little bit frightened. I feel a little bit nervous about him not having a job and having a big new house. But hey, faith favor i'll go the faith but god i want that favor at the end and simon had unbroken provision that year in his he 
started his own business. And the work was, you know, he still felt very nervous, wondering where the next, but I didn't at all. Surprisingly, I was like, he's killing this. You know, I'm sure he was worried because he was thinking, how am I going to provide for my family? But I was like, oh, well, God told him unbroken provision and he's killing it. Well, we got money. I can still go to Kmart. Um, <laughs> you know, so yes. I, I, I really felt safe. Um, and at the end of that year, he had made a, an amazing amount of money that is still now in our savings, um, just sitting there for whatever. But we wouldn't have been able to save that in his normal year of working life. Um, so, yeah, it's it's still scary. I'm not saying, you know, I'm this super spiritual person that went, okay, God, well, everything will be totally fine. I had moments of fear, but I was able to bring it back and go, okay, hang on, your promise to us. So I believe in, in having faith, getting a promise is important to hold on to, to say, okay, okay God, you, you promised this to me. I've got a word from you that I can hold strong to. You promised me unbroken provision. You know, that's what I want to see. Is that what got you out of the place of fear? Just repeating yeah, the promise. I think so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's awesome. And, and then seeing it outworked too, you know, seeing God actually bringing it to pass, going, okay, yeah, there's your promise. I can see it. Yeah, yeah. when we were going to India and we, yeah, money, is, yeah, it was a huge exercise in trust actually. To, yeah. And I remember once, one night, God saying to us, hang on, am I getting you to India or are you getting yourself to India and I remember thinking, oh, you know, okay, yeah. all right, he's really in control. Put it back in your yeah. hands, yeah. Yeah, and it, we wrote down every word, every time we read something and yeah. it spoke to us and we, we had this shared list of just scriptures and words and it was like what we had in our arsenal. Anytime yeah. someone wavered, and we did, you know, yeah. I know faith is supposed to be unwavering and we're not meant to rock around but when we had those moments we would just pull up this list and just yeah it was this visible tangible reminder of every time god has spoken to us and god wasn't lying like we exactly what's just like that verse i was just like oh god you know gosh now i've got something in common with the disciples and the israelites and you know and i think i think unwavering faith until you've been through those experiences yes. to get to the point to know that God has come through for you, that's yes. where you start to get to the unwavering faith because you've got yes. promises, seen them come to pass. Okay, God, yeah. I'm going to hold on to that. You know, because sometimes in the in when you're first starting to trust and learn, it's baby steps, you know, and I think you can sort of be a little bit flip-flopping and, it, and as you come to the maturity and the time and, and what you see, you know, outworked, then you can go, okay, I will stand strong and I'm confident in saying that, you know. Can I ask you about parenting? Yeah. And honestly, this is something we could have spent a whole podcast on, but I, I work with young people. I am very aware of the world that young mm. people are growing up in how do you raise your kids in a world that is saturated with social media? We are more connected now than we ever yeah. have been. We're more visual now. We have access to more than we ever have had in the past. How do you raise your kids to be godly in a world like ours? Yeah, it's Technology is tough. And especially, you know, for me, the kids have to have iPads at school. So that kind of thing was introduced much earlier than I probably would have introduced it. And... 
one thing for me, I've purchased an app called, and this is not advertising, but I've purchased an app called Alpact. And I can actually program in schedules that, uh, for example, 6.30 to 7.30 at night is dinner time. It shuts off all their devices and they can't access them. Wow. Because I found trying to be in control of it myself very frustrating. I was yelling at the at the kids and it was becoming a fight all the time so I can even turn it on but limit their apps so they can you know um, do homework from an app but all the gaming apps are shut down I can limit it to two hours a day if I wanted to in the holidays I mean look we also have PS4 and all that kind of stuff and the children are on it a lot so it's it's very hard um, to navigate but as a parent I make sure I go into their restrictions and I lock down you know, certain things for their age levels, for certain, you know, um, content on the web. I think as parents we need to be diligent in looking at what our, our children are looking at and, you know, and I'm, I haven't always got this right. I've had a phone call before saying, ah, I can see that you, your son's just liked something on, you know, on Instagram or whatever and you're like, oh, my gosh, but we just go and talk to them about it. You know, we're very open and very real about all those kind of things. And he was very young and I think, you know, he was having a sleepover somewhere else. He wasn't even with me. Um, These things are going to happen because you cannot possibly shut down everything. But I think you need to be involved in your children's lives and be open to discussing them and saying, well, look, you know, this is what we believe. We trust you when you're on these devices. We trust you not to go to something you shouldn't. And you hope and pray for the best. How do you raise kids to be in church and like church? Look, I think in our youth group, we have. I, I read um, the book Raising Boys. Mm-hmm. Oh, Steve so, Bitter? Yes, yes, yes. And I also read another book that I cannot remember the name of, but it talked about how, you know, obviously I've only got boys, mm. so I can only speak to that, but it talked about how they go away from you for a certain period, how really the mother is, you know, really just needs to leave them become men. Um, uh, and, and to place someone who is in their life as a mentor who they can look up to because they won't always want to talk to their mum and dad. Our youth group has had some wonderful youth pastor mentors. We've had uh, Chris Brown, you know, we've had Joel, we've got Jordan now who have come alongside my boys, who have, you know, we've got Josh Geeling as a connect leader and Elijah will say, I'm not going to youth tonight. And Josh will text him and say, I'll pick you up in 10 minutes. You know, so I've got these amazing young men and Liam, who is with Lucas now, speaking into my boys' life and encouraging them, getting alongside them at church, involving them. You know, so for me, that has been my saviour. Because we can say to the boys, we want you to be at church. We This is where we are, you know, but we can't force them to like it. But having wonderful mentors and leaders along the way who invest not just in them in church but outside of church, who will give them a phone call and who genuinely care what's happening in their lives. I encourage every parent to, you know, um, we've sort of helped guide this to happen and placed not we haven't placed them in leadership or whatever but we've we've intentionally made sure they have mentors in their life you know so if you don't you know if you're at a church and you're not in a youth group find some young man who is a good godly man who you think can speak into your child's life and have him over for dinner 
or, you know, just somehow get them placed into your child's life. Okay, I want to talk to you about something very practical. Can you, you have so much on your plate. Do you have any organisational life hacks to share with us? <laughs> what, what do you know that we don't? How do you manage everything? I don't know that I know anything that anybody doesn't, but I'm a little bit over the top in my planning. So I have a, a set menu. So I have a, a food diary. Okay. And I plan my meals to the tea every night because I, for me, coming home and going, what are we going to have for dinner would stress me out. So I buy magazines and I cut pages out and I have a little folder with all my favourite recipes. I will take those fold. I will make my meal plan. I'll take those folders out, then write down my shopping list from that, so I know what I need for the week. I know a little bit over the top. When do you Marianne's do that? Mouth is wide no, open. I, yeah, well, it is. <laughs> a lot of people do do that when I say that. I am um, in awe. When do you do that? Like, do you have a day per week? Um, some Saturday afternoon, sometimes Sunday afternoon, just when I can. Um, and then I shop online fortnightly. So I am a little bit over the top with that too because I shop online at Coles and get it delivered then I pick up from Woolworths and then I'll go and choose my own meat and veg (laughs) so but I do it fortnightly because you know I already have to go to the shop every weekend pardon me for fresh food and lunches and stuff like that but yeah I try and shop the big shop fortnightly so I'm not always living at the shops Yeah. yeah anything else we have our family planner you know from Kiki K the the one so we and I also use my iPhone to try and do with Simon a calendar that shows because we have soccer as well um, and Simon coaches soccer. So we're always all in different places. So I like to try and keep on the same page. And now Toby's older, he's out, so I need to know when he's home for dinner. So the family planner, they can at least write up there when, they're, when they've got something on so we can sort of try and juggle that together. Thank you so much. No problem. Oh my gosh. I'm so appreciative of your time. Thank you, Melissa Moore. Thank you, Marion. Thank you so much for listening. Hey, if you got something out of this episode, why don't you pass it on? Send it to someone who needs a bit of encouragement or even a bit of inspiration. You can also subscribe to us in Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts from. If you want to find out a bit more about us, Favour Women and IC Church. We're on Insta at favour.women and our website at ICchurch.com. Keep a lookout for our next episode as well. I am going to bring you a chat I had with Pastor Nikki Hamelainen when she was in town for Favour Conference last month. You are going to be so encouraged and so blessed by her wisdom. So I'm very excited about that. Make sure you keep a lookout. I will see you next time. Bye.